Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Every year, about one in five expecting and new parents experience symptoms of depression and or anxiety. While most new mothers suffer from mood swings within the first few weeks, some pregnant and postpartum parents have intense feelings of sadness, worry, anger, numbness, or self-doubt that persist for months. Unfortunately, services are seriously lacking for parents in the United States, particularly when it comes to postpartum mental health. Anchor Perinatal Wellness provides unique and specialized mental health programming for pregnant and postpartum people, including a free walk-in screening clinic, outpatient services, and an intensive outpatient program to pregnant and postpartum adults who are struggling with a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. Anchor was founded by three Latina women who recognized that they shared a passion for expanding mental health services for perinatal people, and they opened their program in May of 2022. Today, we are joined by two of the founders of Anchor, Roxanne Rosenberg, a licensed mental health counselor, Veronica Kemeny, a licensed clinical social worker. Today, in part one of our conversation with the Anchor team, we dive into a discussion of PMADs, lessons we can learn from other countries, and how PMADs are showing up differently in minority populations. We are so incredibly excited to be here with Roxanne and Veronica of Anchor Perinatal, and we're going to dive right in. I want to know a little bit about who you are, why you do what you do individually, what are your current struggles as a mom? You choose what to focus on, but we have two minutes and we'll go to each of you to, to just share a little bit about yourself and kind of how you wound up where you are and in this line of work. You first. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, I am Veronica Kemeny. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I am certified in perinatal mental health, perinatal meaning pregnancy and postpartum. I'm one of the founders along with Roxanne and our colleague, Carolina Robbins as well of Anchor Perinatal, which is based in Raleigh, North Carolina, but we serve the whole state of North Carolina. I am a mom to an eight-year-old. I'm also pregnant with my second. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's <laughs> Congratulations. So, thank, you. thank you. So all wow. this stuff is really top of mind in a personal level as well now. Absolutely. It's been a while. But yeah, I'm about uh, halfway through my pregnancy with my second, another little girl. So that's very exciting. Professionally, I've been working with um, pregnancy and postpartum mental health for many years. Even before I started working on it, I was really passionate about it. I was doing a lot of kids work and feeling um, really excited about the idea of working with the parents to support the kids and really just wanting that top-down approach. So I shifted with working with kids to working with the adults who were navigating their own transition. Um, and I've landed here and I love it. As a mom, I would just say, you know, navigating the normal, especially as a working parent, working outside of the home, you know, the guilt of, am I giving enough time here and there? And, you know, that piece that we all navigate and I just really think self-compassion is the only way I make it as a parent. <laughs> so I scream it from the rooftops. And yeah, and, and in Anchor, I am the director of operations in addition to being one of the founders. That's a little bit about me. Awesome. We're so excited to have you here, Veronica. And yes, the mom guilt is real. Thank you for naming that and voicing that. I think it's helpful the more moms we hear share it, that we normalize it and know we're not alone in that feeling. So yeah. thank you for that. 
Yeah. And it's not going to go anywhere. So we better learn how to live yeah. with it, and not just listen to that voice. Right. And still proceed accordingly with our values of how we want to live. Yeah. yeah. Cindy's girls are a bit older than mine and she'll kind of periodically complain about something. And I'm like, dang it. You mean that's still in the horizon for me? I thought I'd be gone by then. <laughs> Roxanne, how about you? Yeah. So I'm Roxanne Rosenberg. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, also certified in perinatal mental health. And I'm also a qualified supervisor for counselors. I've been working with pregnant and postpartum people for about 18 years now as a doula, in addition to being a counselor. Probably how things started for me, I attended the birth of a family member who was pretty mistreated during her labor and delivery. She was a young mom, a mom of color, mom on Medicaid, and was really just dismissed in the hospital room. And that happened at the same time as I was starting my counseling program. And it really ignited a fire in me to work towards reproductive justice. That's part of my story. I'm also a perinatal loss survivor and a survivor of perinatal trauma and prenatal depression, which we don't often talk about. We think about postpartum, but it's just as common almost during pregnancy. Let's see what else about me. I am Puerto Rican. The only non-Argentinian of our director trio. (laughs) Um, And I have two boys. One of them is uh, entering high school. And the biggest challenge for me, so sorry again for, you know, forecasting the challenges in your future. (laughs) But uh, the hardest thing for me right now is balancing a desire to protect him with a desire for to allow him space to become his own person. And man, those things fight with each other in my brain. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. My daughter is getting ready to head into kindergarten. And I, I feel that as a former high school teacher, know the ways it will change as they get closer to teenhood. However, I haven't experienced those teen years in the role as a parent. And I know that that's a totally different endeavor, which I'm just bracing myself for and taking notes from all of you moms. So keep sharing all the things to prepare me. Thank you. And thank you also, Roxanne, for sharing a lot of your personal experience. It sounds like you've had a lot of personal experience that has set you up to go down this path and help be there to serve as many moms as possible. Because I I know that that personal experience is what gives people the empathy and the the knowledge of how to serve best. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for using your experience to help other moms. I think that's very important. Sure. Why does it always seem like I'm the one that goes back into this like jovial, (laughs) let's joke around type of piece of the podcast, because I get to ask you some fun questions and you get to choose the number. So I'm going to start with Veronica, Veronica, between one and 31, please give me a number. Hmm. 12. 12. Okay. What skill would you most like to learn? Ooh. <laughs> Fantasy or reality? Because I want to fly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I would love to fly too. That Imagine, that's on the fantasy side. <laughs> yeah. Imagine um, being able to go anywhere, whatever. I mean, how many times have you wished for a helicopter? I know. <laughs> um, okay. Real life. <laughs> I, not that I would probably use it often, but I really want, I 
learn French in school because I already speak Spanish with my dad being from Argentina. And I really hate that I don't know it better. So I'm very rusty with my French and I loved it. Super similar to Spanish too. So it's easy in that way to learn. Um, I don't know when I would use it, but I think it's a beautiful language. So that's like a skill I'd love to come back to. Uh, I've just, you know, put on the shelf for now. <laughs> it's I'm actually, I took French too in, in high school and a little bit in college. And I just, for the past year, have been doing Duolingo. And, and it comes back a little bit, but then I'm like, if I have to talk to anybody, they're... <laughs> I say say something, Cindy. No. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if I spend the time on Duolingo, then I'm like, okay, now what do I do with this thing? I know. <laughs> like, how do I use well, it? I really have to talk to people. Let's go ahead to you, Roxanne. You have the choice of either the same number or you can choose a different number. So do the same question or choose a different number. I will choose number eight. What is your best childhood memory? Ooh. Okay, this is a hard one. I think one might be watching The Simpsons with my dad secretly because I wasn't allowed to watch it. <laughs> and he even let me taste his beer one time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. A rebel from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still like the Simpsons and beer? Are they, are they like yeah. nostalgic for you? Yeah. <laughs> it worked. The exposure worked. I think I wrote my <laughs> essay about the Simpsons. Oh, you, you did? did really? <laughs> yeah. What, what was it about? I'm fascinated. I'm curious. It was a long time ago at this point, uh, 22 <laughs> years ago. So I don't quite remember, but I do remember that it involved the Simpsons in some way. Been around forever. Unlike Beavis yeah. and Butthead. Do you remember Beavis and Butthead? <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's go ahead and dive in because we have a lot to talk about today. A, a lot of serious topics, but this is such an important issue to cover. And it's close to both Cindy and my heart. It's one of our four key initiatives here at Her Health Collective. We're talking about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And before we dive in, I also want to just sidebar here. Perinatal mood and anxiety disorders has been abbreviated as PMADS. As far as I know, that's still the abbreviation. However, I did attend a training about a year and a half ago where there was pushback against PMADS mm -hmm. because it says the word mad in it and people rightfully so don't like that. And I just want to, before we dive in and use the abbreviation, is that still the correct abbreviation? This is a great question. Yes. Some broadening that's been happening. So because mood and anxiety disorders is in itself a box, people are starting to use perinatal mental health conditions, but PMADS is still used probably most prominently in the yeah. field. The acknowledgement that we're still uncovering what mental health conditions belong on the spectrum. So it may extend okay. past mood and anxiety. Okay. So for the purposes of this episode, I will abbreviate with PMADS because it'll be quicker and easier for our conversation purposes. But for our listeners, something to be aware of. Thank you for that. Perinatal mood and anxiety disorders or PMADS are the number one complication of pregnancy and childbirth. One in five birthing people experience a PMAD. It is so prevalent for birthing persons, and yet it still has a stigma attached to it. There's still a stigma that wraps itself around individuals that are dealing with these mental health issues. Many ignore it 
many feel forced to hide it and ultimately wind up suffering in silence. Why do you think PMADs are so pervasive in our society? It's, it's clearly a systemic issue. It's showing up in all kinds of places, all kinds of ways. What about our system is leaving pregnant and postpartum people to battle this disorder on their own and in silence? Yeah, well, let's think about even that term PMAD. It was created in the mid 2010s. So think about how long women and birthing people have been giving birth. And yet we only had a term for more than one perinatal mental health condition for the last six years. So again, something we've been going through for millennia has only gotten a name in the last six years. And really isn't until, you know, I think we're still in the process where it's becoming a name in the broader consciousness of the lay person, right? Who isn't an expert. So that right there, you know, is part of the reason of why women suffer in silence, birthing people suffer in silence, because there has been no attention from the medical community on this issue that affects 20% of people who give birth, which actually means over 700,000 people in the U.S. every year. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason. Just uh, whoever was controlling the medical research didn't focus on women's issues. People often think as perinatal mood and anxiety disorders as being a function of hormonal imbalance. And that is part of the picture, but it's, it's, a, it's a minority part of the picture. And so what's really driving PMADs, both whether someone experiences them, but also how long they experience them, has more to do with the huge upheaval that is bringing another child into the world. Impact my life, my relationship, my time to myself, my sleep. Those are major contributors. How does this change my identity is a major contributor. And then on top of that, which are sort of inherent in having a child, you have all of these systemic issues, which you were talking about, where there's a lack of support from society for mothers and birthing parents. We don't have paid leave. We have comparatively very short family leave that's unpaid, it's mandated. Childcare is expensive. Insurance is expensive discrimination of people of color, immigrants, LGBTQ plus creates more risk factors to experience a PMAD. It's such a big question. <laughs> and so I know I'm missing things. That's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It, systemically, the U.S. is really lagging behind in this arena. And I think especially even just thinking about the 20% is really conservative. We know this is underreported, just like any psychiatric condition. And for the folks who qualify for the disorder, there are a lot of people struggling, but they maybe don't qualify for the disorder title, let's say, or haven't been diagnosed. It's a really big question. <laughs> I think it's been a whole hour on that one alone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is indicative of why this is such a big issue. And it almost makes you stop and think, wow, it's a marvel that any of us are out here momming and parenting. <laughs> successfully and, you know, able to do it with a smile on our face, a genuine smile, because a lot of times we have that fake smile plastered on our face to get through all of this silently, right? You had briefly mentioned here in the U.S. I'd love to touch on that just a little bit. If we went to Europe or other developed nations, what would we find that's different 
in how they approach postpartum care. Which is such a great way to contrast, right? What we have and looking at it in contrast with others. So yes, there are other nations that sort of are similarly developed in in terms of the economy and resources and things like that, for example, in Europe. But even if you look at the list, I have family in Argentina, which I guess is a developing country, not third world, but developing in South America. And my older sister's due with her first child and she's going to have three months of paid leave. Her husband will have three days paid, but I was like, hey, all of that's a lot better than what we get, which is mandated nothing. And it's really important to consider there are countries that are lagging behind us in terms of development on a you know large level of their resources for their people, yet they surpass us in this regard. So I think that's really important to note. I think if we use Europe or Australia, which is really focused on mother-baby attachment, If you think about countries like that, there really is a system that prioritizes and really says there's unique needs around a family when they're in transition, right? So whether it be parental leave for both the birthing person and their partner, whether that be a male or a female, there's mandated leave and it is required. I think it's in Sweden that it's required that the male partner and the non-birthing partner take it. From an attachment perspective, they get to really adapt to their role. That is huge. I mean, I think that's the biggest distinction in comparison with us where there's nothing other than FMLA that protects your job, but doesn't pay you anything. I have a friend who uh, gave birth in Germany and she had a nurse home visitor who visited multiple times during her six month plus of maternity leave. Mind you, she's an immigrant to that country. She's not even German. She married a German man, but she had access to all of these things that had she given birth in her native Argentina, even that she wouldn't have had. There's also these nursing circles when you're pregnant. And, you know, there's just a lot more of this collective focus, swaddling the family and saying, we've got you. You know, I think you can see this in a lot of other cultures, which again, aren't as developed maybe Mm -hmm. economically. Mm -hmm. So with our, you know, Latina background, you know, we come from cultures where there's a more collectivist approach to child rearing. Mm -hmm. And so just embedded within the culture, there's this idea that uh, it's the responsibility of the community to raise the child, not the responsibility of the person who birthed the child. Mm -hmm. alone. I just had coffee with a friend yesterday morning and we were talking about this. We were talking about how in other cultures, the mom is just wrapped in this warm embrace and the baby is taken from her and people check on her. She had made the point that I just gave birth five weeks ago. I actually had a surgery and people came and they are checking on my child, but nobody's asking how I am doing. And I just had a big surgery five weeks ago. I've heard stories in other countries where mom is laying in bed and the baby is brought to her to nurse and then taken away. And she's just surrounded by support and people in and out helping her through this. That is something that is severely lacking in in our country. It's a big part of why we started Her Health Collective, this idea that we need to support moms and parents from all around, from all sides in every way that we can. To our Patreon supporters, thank you. We appreciate you so much. Our goal has always been for moms to know they're not alone in the tough and challenging phases of motherhood. We know Mama Needs a Moment provides this to our listeners. We are thrilled with the growth of the podcast over the past two years. Last year, Spotify shared that Mama Needs a Moment was in the top 30% most followed podcasts 
was heard in nine countries and had more content than 97% of other creators in the family category. We have recently launched a Patreon account for Mama Needs a Moment. This is a great way for you to provide additional support to her health collective. We've set up three options for Patreon supporters, each with its very own perks, such as special events, discounts, and bonus content from each and every podcast guest that is available only to our Patreon supporters. Will you become a Patreon supporter? It would mean the world to us. I loved that discussion on what it's like in other countries and how they treat their moms differently after giving birth. And it just solidifies the need to have these discussions. So thank you for talking about that. We just discussed how common perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are. And it's important to stress that racial and ethnic minorities experience PMADs at higher rates. According to an article in the National Library of Medicine titled Perinatal Anxiety and Depression in Minority Women, all women naturally experience some reluctance in getting care because they aren't sure what's normal and what should be of concern. For minority women, this is coupled with other factors such as socioeconomic barriers, including poverty, decreased access to resources, racism, trauma, cultural barriers, lack of time, stigma, and childcare issues. At Anchor Perinatal, you are working hard to fight back against the statistics that are plaguing the minority population. Your website states, quote, we value high quality, specialized, evidence-based, inclusive, accessible perinatal mental care rooted in reproductive justice and the latest developments in the field. We serve pregnant and postpartum people of all races, ethnicities, immigration statuses, sexual orientations, gender identities, and parenting statuses. Our team proudly includes providers of color, end quote. Please share the ways that you are providing services to populations who continue to be overlooked and mistreated by our health healthcare system. How are you challenging the rising statistics of PMADs and the maternal mortality for minorities? I'd love to hear. Another really big question. It's huge. <laughs> I know. So to start with some background, you know, we've said that one in five birthing people will experience a PMAD. If you're talking about Black women, that doubles to two in five. If you add another socioeconomic risk factor on, like young age, the teen mom who's also Black, then we're talking about a PMAD prevalence of 75%. So these risk factors stack on top of one another and create just really, really high risk and a lot of suffering when not addressed. Some of the ways that we address this are first being trained and knowledgeable about it. Everyone on our staff is trained in anti-oppression, and we are all regularly receiving trainings on treating people who are come from underserved communities. Second, Anchor was created by three Latinas, two of whom are children of immigrants. My mom's Puerto Rican, so that's in the U.S., so can't say that I'm a child of an immigrant. So we're already coming in with the perspective of we need to hold our community and other underserved communities in this space. Third, the majority of our staff are Black or Latina. 
not that, you know, it necessarily has to be a majority, but that was important to us because it's, it means something to know that there are people who look like you and who may have some of your shared experiences who have been part in creating the service and providing the service. Something that's very important to us. We also shout these statistics from the rooftops whenever we have a public forum. So sort of advancing awareness about how perinatal status and race and socioeconomic status intersect. So people can be aware of that. We also have a free screening clinic where anyone can come. So there's no financial barrier uh, and get a perinatal mental health screening by a trained professional. And 20% of our services are pro bono. So again, removing barriers of economic access. We also have some really cool partnerships with other organizations that serve minorities. So for example, um, we have a partnership with MAME, which is a doula organization that supports Black moms. And through those partnerships too, we can continue to address some of these inconsistencies, barriers, disparities Mm -hmm. in maternal mental health. Anything I'm missing? Yeah. I mean, I, no, spot on. And I, I mean, I think the only thing I would add was just as we created our curriculum for our intensive outpatient program, being really intentional about the content there and being really inclusive around different themes that are going to come up for folks from different family backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, religious backgrounds. We bring it in sort of clinically in that regard as well, so that our lens is always as wide as we can make it and also owning that we're constantly learning, right? Just like everybody else. Our curriculum has a lot of trauma specific content in it. And you've probably heard people talk about trauma responses uh, involving fight, flight, or freeze, Mm -hmm. right? But that actually ignores a really important fourth F that tends to apply more to marginalized communities, and that's fawn, where you're identifying with the person who is oppressing you. And that's often left out of the conversation because a lot of research is done on white communities. So that's just an example of how we are constantly trying to pull in, how can this be relevant to all of the people that we serve? How can we include the most oppressed around us in conversation and in healing? It's so apparent that your organization is just doing wonderful things for our minority population. What can we do? We're not part of your your organization, but as just people living and being allies, what can we do to change this statistic? Learning, right? Learning and not putting it on your friends or family of color and sort of, you know, putting that question on them, but just saying, Hey, I'm going to attend a training, right? I'm interested in perinatal mental health. Make sure you're going to a training that is teaching you about how it's presenting in different populations and whether it be donating to nonprofits that are serving, that have a mission that is aligned with yours, similar to, as we said earlier, with some collaborations we have, Um, just being constantly curious around challenging your own biases Mm. and, you know, inadvertent ignorance, you know, that we all have, right? Ourselves included, just because we have a particular lens, it doesn't mean we know everything, even about the Latinx population. I mean, we can readily admit about ourselves, yes, we're Latina, but we're also white passing. We can walk into a space and people not assume our background, right? Right. And so we also have the responsibility to elevate the voices then Mm -hmm. of people who are more marginalized than us Mm -hmm. because of that privilege that we have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Challenging the biases is so important and 
continuous work. It's, it's a constant process. You have to continually do it in order to uncover all that the biases that we all carry Mm -hmm. and hold. Yeah, for sure. And I think in our parenting choices too, right? Raising this next generation of kids. So I think that's another angle as well. And I think there's a lot more resources out there to be able to lean on to say, Hey, I may not have gotten raised in a way that was as inclusive. I think from a societal standpoint, I think, you know, times are shifting, but there are a lot of resources out there, whether it be children's books, whether it be trainings for parents, podcasts that talk about this issue when it comes to parenting our children, especially if they're white. So also just keeping in mind, you know, we're educating the next generation and how they are going to um, connect to people who look like them or don't look like them. Just have those conversations with our little ones. Yeah. Such, yeah. such an important job for parents. Yeah. One super practical suggestion is that people can join Postpartum Support International. They have a perinatal mental health alliance for people of color. They're constantly putting out education in their newsletters about supporting marginalized communities with perinatal mental health. So that's a way to get dialed in Mm -hmm. to a source of credible information. Wonderful. Thank you, Roxanne, Veronica. Thank you so much for your honesty and your candor and the resources and just the incredible work that you're doing in the community. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you for your work, for not only allowing us to share um, on your platform, but for the platform you have created. And thank you for asking the tough questions. (laughs) So (laughs) they're tough to answer, but they're really important. Thank you for your bravery (laughs) in asking them. Such important topics discussed today. Here are my top three takeaways from part one of our conversation with Roxanne and Veronica of Anchor Perinatal Wellness. One, our understanding and acceptance of mood and anxiety disorders is in its infancy. We are only scratching the surface of comprehending all the ways these disorders can show up in the body, particularly postpartum. It's so important that knowledge about these struggles become widespread that we work to erase the stigma attached to mental health disorders, and perhaps most importantly, that we learn to give ourselves and others grace in the postpartum period. Two, we have so much to learn from other countries when it comes to the care of mothers. There is something to be said for a more collective approach to motherhood and parenting. It was a village that raised a child in generations past. It was a community that supported a mother after giving birth. Elements of that can still be found in other countries, but it has all but disappeared in the U.S. It is time we find ways to bring back the collectivist approach to motherhood and life. This was one of the key motivations behind the founding of Her Health Collective and our supportive community for moms, Her Circle. It's unfortunate that it now falls on moms to create their own communities, but it appears that it does. However, it is possible, and it is so worth taking the effort to create that village. Three, there are systemic flaws within our healthcare system. They put minority populations at a distinct disadvantage when it comes to receiving quality care. This is amplified when looking at segments of healthcare, such as postpartum care and mental health. It is important that we are beginning to hear more about these statistics and that it is becoming more widespread knowledge that we have so much work left to do, but it's not enough. It's imperative that we seek out organizations that are doing the work, asking the hard questions, and making deliberate efforts to serve families differently. Organizations like Anchor Perinatal are a great start. Simultaneously, it's imperative that 
we are consumers, citizens, friends, allies, taking the time and effort to learn all we can, and even more importantly, taking action. Nobody alone can make the world a better place. It will take collective action from the masses. That includes me, and that includes you. We hope you enjoy part one of this important conversation. Be sure to have a listen to part two of our conversation next week, where we will dive into what intensive outpatient services look like for those suffering from PMADS and reproductive justice and the role it is playing in Anchor Perinatal's work. High five, friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us to be the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you've enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.